You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and it is such an honor to have you guys with us here today. Man, it's just good to see you today. I want to tell you real quick before I get into this last message of James uh, about what we're doing next week and for the few weeks that follow that. I'm really excited about it. If anybody knows me well, you know that I love movies. I love movies. I've never seen a movie I didn't like. I don't like going to the movies with people. I like going by myself. You know why? Because I'm worried that somebody I'm sitting with might not like the movie and tell me afterwards. And I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. I will go and see. I mean, I will watch any movie It doesn't matter as long as it's on at 8 o'clock right after my children have gone to bed. I'm going to be there and I'm going to enjoy it. It could be the worst acting, the worst writing, the worst cinematography of all time. I will come out of that movie and you'll say, John Mark, how's the movie? I'll be like, man, I loved it. It was awesome. It was great. I love movies. And so we're doing a series starting next week called At the Movies. And let me tell you my heart behind it. Uh, We do this series in this time of year and it's one that... I get really excited about, but it's also one that our community gets excited about. It's one of our best attended series that we do all year. And the heart is this. When we study the Gospels, we see that Jesus always explained the kingdom of heaven using stories that related to people's culture, the world they lived in, stories that they would be able to understand and see themselves in. They would, they would hear Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would explain it in a way that just was plain as day to them. With that, the movies, our goal is to take the stories of our culture and the stories that connect with our hearts. And, and these stories that we as a people collectively enjoy and to bring them into this space and use them to teach the kingdom of heaven. Our goal is to redeem these movies and, and to help understand spiritual truths through them. And so I'm so excited. We got such a great uh, calendar of movies coming up. Next Sunday, we're doing a movie called Peanut Butter Falcon. Peanut Butter Falcon. And if you never heard of it, It is such a good movie, and it is about this magical falcon covered in peanut butter that flies around bringing joy to everybody. And you've just got to see it to, to, to believe it. And uh, we're going to have characters out here for you to, to, to hang out with every Sunday. Next week, we got Macho Man Randy Savage. And, and it's because he's back. He's back, you guys. He's back. Oh, yeah, he's back. From the, no, listen, if you grew up in the era that I grew up in, this guy was awesome, okay? And so anyways, we're going to have uh, just so much fun with it, popcorn and Cokes. Here's what I would like for you to do. You have access to a community that I have no access to, the people that you interact with every single day. And I just really believe that this series is one of our very best ways to engage people with the local church and to help them see the kingdom of God in a fresh and new way. And so we've got some awesome invite cards that look like video cassette tapes out back. And we would love for you to grab a couple of those and bring somebody with you to this series. Bring somebody with you. Maybe their favorite movie will be playing as we go through it. And, and, uh, and so get them over here and, and have them. I'm telling you what. Nothing, nothing will change your heart 
like sitting next to somebody who you care about the first time they understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to experience it. And so don't deprive yourself of that. Grab an invite card. Bring somebody with you to At The Movies starting next Sunday. It's going to be fun. Well, today we're closing out this series in James. And we've been here for five weeks, and I really enjoyed this series so much. Pastor Mikey brought some incredible things when... when uh, my wife and I were out because uh, we welcomed our brand new baby into the world. We got a three-week-old at home, Elvira Maeve. Red wine, yes, that's our third daughter. I have one, two, three girls. Y'all be praying for your pastor because, goodness gracious, it's real. And uh, Mikey did some awesome preaching. And then uh, today I want to finish with a message from James chapter 4 and 5 that I really feel is important for us to understand in the world that we're living in right now. The message is titled, uh, In the Light of Eternity. In the Light of Eternity, and a, a, couple, uh, a, a, a couple chapters kind of merge together in James where he really speaks into keeping this eternal perspective and seeing uh, our lives in the perspective of eternity. That's what I want to talk about Today, Well, so a, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, my wife and I welcomed our third child into the world. And I just got to tell you, you know, babies, babies are wonderful. Babies are something, you know, they're so cute and squishy and they smell really good. And it's hard to see a happy baby and not smile at it. It's hard to see. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm walking through the grocery store or something and I see a baby and it's, it's like a happy baby. I'm always going to smile at that baby. It's probably creepy. Probably parents are like worried, why is this grown man smiling? I mean, I love babies. I think people love babies. I think there's this, there's this collective joy around babies that we have as a people. Uh, but parents who have babies currently, who are living in the world of baby, they have a different emotion connected to the baby. It's exhaustion. Complete and utter exhaustion. I remember when our first daughter, Eleanor, was born. I had just graduated from seminary, and my wife and I were moving from San Jose, California, to here to start this church. And it was a lot of life change all at once, and Eleanor was not an easy baby. She had acid reflux. She didn't sleep well. She was fussy. She couldn't breastfeed. And her, her mom was sick, so I had to do a lot of that. I had to, I had to get up in the middle of the night. I mean, uh, you know, actually, it, was, it wasn't as much getting up in the middle of the night as it was a couple times I got to get down in the middle of the night. I got to lay down and rest for a minute or two here and there. And, I mean, it was exhausting. And I remember in that moment, and I'm in it a little bit right now, I'm going to be honest. I was in that moment, this the first couple weeks, where I was so tired, I didn't know if I would ever know what rested felt like again. I want to tell you how tired I was. And this is one of the most embarrassing stories that I have. And I'm just going to share it with you today. I deliberated over whether or not I was, it's too much information. I'm giving it to you anyways. Enjoy. I was so tired that I genuinely went days without actually getting any. I would fall asleep standing up, bouncing the baby, like just sound asleep. I'd fall asleep in chairs. I would fall asleep anywhere that I was. I was so tired. And, and so one time I was laying on the couch and I had the baby on my chest. I, I had Eleanor just kind of resting here on my chest. I was laying on the couch and I was just, I was kind of awake, kind of asleep, just so tired, y'all. So tired. And I remember all of a sudden I just felt something warm. And I thought to myself, what is that? 
Is that the baby? It was not the baby. It was me. Listen, you haven't been tired until you've been incontinence tired. That is a whole different kind of tired, you guys. <laughs> I was thinking that was terrible, but I just noticed I was on my way out here today to preach, and I went to the bathroom, and I noticed that I put my underpants on backwards this morning, y'all. I'm tired. I'm tired. I put them on, and they fit weird, and I just thought, man, my quads are getting big. I've been going to the gym. Dang, I'm like getting strong. No, that's not what happened. What happened was I'm tired, so tired. <laughs> To a brand new parent, it feels like this moment when the baby is young and little and crying and screaming and never ever sleeping is going to last forever and ever and ever. It's overwhelming, it's exhausting, it feels never ending. But within a few months, something interesting happens. As the baby grows and changes, suddenly that period of absolute exhaustion begins to fade out of our memory. It starts to fade out of our minds. It gets painted with rose-colored glasses. We remember how cute the baby was, how awesome the baby was, how, how perfect. And that memory of that exhaustion becomes so distant that some of us choose to have kids again. <laughs> and again. And some of us again. And now I'm on my third baby, and we are back in this season of absolute exhaustion and in my head even though I know this is it that this is it this is the last time and even though I know that I'm going to miss it and I know everybody's oh just everybody who it was like years and years ago for them is telling me oh just enjoy it just enjoy that little baby they changed so fast and I'm like you enjoy it you take that baby you enjoy it tonight I'm going to sleep <laughs> I know I'm going to miss it, but I do just keep wishing it away and anxiously wanting this part to be over because it feels like it's going to last forever. But in a few weeks, it will be over. And she'll start sleeping through the night and, and then she'll start to communicate with us, letting us know what she wants in ways beyond just crying. And she'll get bigger and bigger until one day she won't be a baby anymore. She'll be a little girl. And then, after that, she'll be a preteen before you know it. And then, Lord help us, three teenage girls. Then one day she'll be grown. When you're in a moment, it's really hard to see all the moments that are going to follow. It's really hard to, to believe it, especially when things are difficult, when things are hard, when you're in this place where every day feels like it lasts forever, it's hard to believe that there are many moments that are gonna come afterwards. But time and time again, life itself has shown us that if there is one thing that is certain, it is the temporary nature of all things. And here's where we find ourselves if we're Christians. If we're Christians, or in general, we go on for eternity. Jesus made a way for us to enter into relationship with him for all time to live in the recreated heaven and earth in the presence of our maker. And this life, with all of its trouble, is going to end. 1 John 2.17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. 
Benjamin Franklin says there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. This life will end and a new one will begin. And eternity is so much bigger, so much larger, so much longer than the 80 or 90 years you might get here in this life. And what we do here permanently impacts what happens in that eternity. Just like parents who spend the whole night awake with a crying baby, oftentimes we really struggle to see past this moment. The moment that you're living in right now, whether it's a moment of trial or a moment of joy, in our minds and even in our hearts, we get in this belief that it's going to be permanent. That we'll always be in this moment. Things will always be the way that they are right now. But we know differently. In this passage of James, he reminds us to maintain an eternal perspective. He reminds us that this moment right now isn't all there is. That one day it will be ancient history far behind us. And so as Christians, as we attempt to live out all the practical advice we've lived, learned from James so far, as we, as we try to do all of these things, it's so important for us to constantly place ourselves in an eternal perspective. To remember that this moment is temporary. That it's short. It's brief. It is over before you even know what happened. And everything that you do in it matters. So here's three things today that I want us to remember in order to maintain an eternal perspective. First, tomorrow is not a promise. Tomorrow isn't a promise. James chapter 4 verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Do you know that attitude? Do you know that mentality? That mentality, I'm going to live my life the way that I want to live it. I'm going to make plans, and this is what's going to happen. I've got it worked out. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I'm going to go to these places. I'm going to do these things, and this is how my life will work. Verse 14, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In his typically direct style, James makes the point that we aren't guaranteed a single moment on this earth beyond the one that we're currently living in. And yet, we spend so much of our lives pursuing the idea of tomorrow. James isn't saying don't make plans and don't dream about the future. He's, I believe that our God is a God of planning, that he's a, he is a God who has a plan, that he's a structured God, that he is God who believes in strategy and that he wants us to do those things. And it's good wisdom to live your life that way. But what James is speaking out against is our tendency to put off the things that really matter for another day in order to deal with the things that we've decided are urgent today. We do this in all kinds of ways. Maybe you're putting off growing deeper in your relationship with God, going all in and doing the things that you know you need to do. You know you need to develop a real habit of prayer, but right now you just can't find the time. You know that it would help you. You believe it might help you to pray every day, but every day is busy. 
And there probably will be a less busy season in the future. In the next season, you'll have more time. Or, or in the next season, it'll be easier for you to get up early to devote yourself to prayer. Maybe you are waiting for a convenient time to join a life group and build community. This season's just too busy. You got too many things, too many irons in the fire, too many things going on. You know that you need people in your life who really know you, people who can, who can see into your heart, who can help build you up, who can help you to find freedom, who can encourage you to be the person that you want to be. But right now, it's just not the right time for it. You could do it next semester. Maybe you've been putting off finding freedom from a lifelong sin in your life or from some guilt or shame that's been holding you back from experiencing actual joy. It's going to take a lot of work and, and you want to put this addiction down. You want to put this sin down. You want to put this shame to rest. But the work that it requires isn't something you have the emotional energy for right now. So, so you just wait a little while and get, it, get to it later. Maybe you know some good you should do but you'll just do it tomorrow. Maybe you want to serve within the church or at the Dream Center or go on a mission trip, but right now, it just doesn't feel like the right time. James is trying to help us understand that right now might be the only time. Today could be it. This could be all we've got. And if it is, he wants us to make sure that we spend it well. Your life is a vapor. Here for a moment and then it vanishes. It feels in our heart like there's just always going to be tomorrows. Like it's, a, like it's a certain thing. Like it's a sure thing. It feels like this life is long and I've got all the time that I need to do whatever it is that I need to do. It feels like this moment that I'm in right now is going to last forever. But the truth is our life is a vapor and that vapor is fading fast. James goes on in verse 15. says, instead... You ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. James is a really direct guy. He's just not going to mention, he just feels like, this is too urgent for me to, to sugarcoat it for you. It is not right for us to make all these plans about the good things we can do in the future and ignore it today, to spend today only on me, to spend today only on what I want to do and on the things that are important to me and put off all these other things that I know matter for later. James goes so far as to say, if you know the good things you should be doing right now and you don't do them, you put them off, then that's sin for you. You've crossed the line. You're doing the opposite of what God's dream is for your life and for your hearts. The psalmist says in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When we start to understand the brevity of the life that we live, it helps us to make wiser choices. It helps us within our hearts to start to do a, a wiser way of living. It's just so easy to get fixated on this life and regardless of what we say we believe, oftentimes we live like we believe that this life is all that there is. And I think it's important for us to refocus our attention. We need to fix our eyes on things above and we need to order our priorities in the light of eternity. It says this in Colossians chapter three, 
Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. This world is just so full of distractions. It's okay to enjoy the good things in this life. I think God wants you to. I think he puts good things in this world for you to enjoy. But you've got to make sure that that's not where your heart is. Our hearts have to be set on the eternity that we are moving towards, the purpose that we were created with, the one that we serve, and the one who we are going to. We've got to refocus our attention. It might be good to take some time this week to sit down and look through your calendar and look to see where does the balance tip in your calendar Is it in favor of the things that you really believe are important, that you would want to be done before you are done with your time here on this earth? Is it in favor of pursuing God through prayer and scripture and community? Is your calendar in favor of serving your family? Is it in favor of serving your city? Or is your calendar and the way that you're spending your time in this moment more in favor of you and building up things that will one day be long gone. If you find that that's the case, make the shifts where you need to. Start to live your life like eternity is much longer than today, and today will pass away, and order your life in that way. Second thing is this, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Be careful not to spend your entire life pursuing something that's going to mean nothing in eternity. It says this in James chapter 5, verse 1. I didn't write this. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. You're, I don't know what happened to James right before he wrote this, but we're going to go through it. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and your silver are corroded and their corrosion will testify against you and eat at your flesh like fire. It's rough. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence, and you've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. I just think he wanted to be direct and use some extreme language because he needed us to understand a really, really important concept here. I think one of the greatest downfalls of man is a pursuit of self and importance and platform and prosperity instead of pursuing the things that matter to God. The Bible's got a lot to say about what we do with our money. James is harsh here, but even Jesus says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I think the principle is simple. Wherever we invest our money, we often invest our hearts as well. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So many who spend their lives building wealth put nothing else above it. And as a result, they end up spiritually bankrupt at the end of their lives. Three high-profile billionaires went through messy divorces this past year. Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and it was marriages that had spanned decades. 
See, I believe these things are connected. Just before making that statement, Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't take it with you. I don't think either James or Jesus believe that you can't be a wealthy person and a good person. I believe that God blesses some people so they can be great uh, blessings to the kingdom of heaven. I believe they get gifts of giving and generosity and, and that God will sometimes build up somebody's wealth for a lot of good reasons. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think they're trying to tell you it's a bad thing or that you're a bad person. I think what they're trying to tell you is that it is very hard and the more money you have, the harder that it gets to get your priorities in the right place, in the right position. So balance your budget in the light of eternity. The Bible teaches this principle called the principle of the first fruit. It's where we get the principle of the tithe. And going all the way back to the sons of Adam and Eve, we see this principle in action. People taking the first part of their wealth, not the leftovers, and giving it back to God. Over the last 4,000 years, that's looked like giving it through the church to be invested in the ministry of the church, in our local communities through the church, in the spiritual health of the people in the church. But that's not the primary reason God wants the first part of our budget given to him. It says this in Deuteronomy 14, 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. God doesn't need your money, but he wants what it represents, and that's your heart. He wants you to trust him completely and to keep your eyes not just on this life, but on the next one. So use whatever blessings you have in this life to build up treasures in the next one. Treasure isn't gold in heaven. In fact, the Bible says that the streets are paved with gold. Gold is asphalt to God. What we know about God is that to him, the treasure is the people. Invest whatever you can into building people. Generosity is our privilege and we leverage it for the kingdom of heaven. We keep an eternal perspective. We believe and understand and know that what we accumulate in this life, we can't take with us into the next one. And so invest it into something that can go into the next life, the hearts and the souls of people. Last thing is this that James wants us to learn today. He's close, so act accordingly. The end is near. I came to tell you that the end is near today. Isn't that good? It's all drawing to a close. Not, not only are our lives temporary and not only are we just vapors in the wind, but the world that we live in has an expiration date. Thank goodness. It's starting to smell like spoiled milk. It could be tomorrow. It could be a thousand years from now, but the point is always the same. This world will end. This moment will end. This season will end. This time that we're living in, these unprecedented times, they're gonna end. James 5, 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too 
Be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. There's the heart of the message today. Be patient and stand firm. Don't let this world, its troubles, the culture who, trying to redefine who you should be, how you should believe. Don't let the difficult days that you are going to go through, the seasons of loss that you are going to live through, do not let them shake you from seeing the end results. Be patient and stand firm for the end is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. You've got an enemy. We call him the devil. He's a liar and he is the father of lies and he is prowling around looking for innocence to devour. He knows that this world is going to come to an end and with it, so will he. So he has a plan. His plan is a plan of distraction and division. If he can distract you from eternity, and if he can divide you from the body of Christ, that he can keep you from fulfilling your calling and fulfilling your purpose, and he can bring more people with him into eternal separation from God. Jesus reminds us that the end is near, and James reminds us that the end is near and that the judge of all things is standing right at the door ready to take us into the next chapter of our existence. And that is why it is so important that we stand up against the plans of the devil and fight against division and gossip and all the things that keep us from being an effective body of Christ. It's why it's so important that every conversation that we have, every argument, every disagreement, that we are having it in the light of eternity of where we are going next and what God is trying to do right now, that we don't let our enemy divide us and break us apart and lead us into these things James is warning us about because this moment will pass away. James says this in chapter four, verse seven, submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. You gotta stand up against the schemes of the devil. If you find yourself in a position where you're judging somebody, where you're part of something that doesn't look like the body of Christ, where you're contributing to division inside the body of Christ, resist the devil and make it right. Because when you resist him, he flees from you. Living in community means there's always gonna be things that distract us from the task set before us. That is normal. When it happens, deal with it. Whatever conflict you've got isn't as important as the kingdom of heaven that we are working together to build. There are so many people right here in this room and right outside our doors who are in desperate need of a relationship with Jesus. Life is a vapor for them as well. And without the people of God leading them to know God, they will be eternally separated from God. We have to keep that in mind in the light of eternity. Every person that we encounter, every relationship, everything that is feeling huge to us, but is in reality very small, it needs to be compared with the eternity that is ahead of us. Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, therefore keep watch, because you don't know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. 
What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then he says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. And that's where I want to leave us today. Keep your eyes on the eternal. Live like there's no tomorrow and use every day to get closer to God. How is simple. When you get close to him, he gets close to you. That's the kind of God you have. He does not make you do all the work. He does not expect you to get everything right. He does not expect you to check off every box to be perfect, to have everything aligned just so. All he wants is for you to take a step towards him, just to get a little bit closer to him. And when you do that, he will come closer to you. You move forward, he moves forward. That's who your God is. You get closer to him, he gets closer to you. Worship him. Speak to him in prayer. Read his word. Ask him to teach you to number your days, to remember that even though it feels like it's never going to end, this moment you're in right now is temporary. It will pass. This moment will pass. Are you going to spend it? Are you going to live in it? Are you going to learn from it? Are you going to be in it in a way that is going to reflect well in all the moments to come? Because they are vast. Eternity is so much bigger than you can wrap your mind around. And it is coming. And it is coming sooner than you expect. Start to live that way. Keep your perspective there. And it will give you the motivation, the energy that you need to live in all the other ways that James is teaching us and to move closer to God as he moves closer to us. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and maybe you've spent your whole life searching for meaning, searching for purpose, searching for answers to questions that you don't even really know how to put into words, I want to tell you that you can find it in this place today. The, the purpose you've been looking for, the meaning that you've been looking for, the completion to every hole that you've been trying to fill. It can be found in relationship with Jesus. And to enter into relationship with him, you don't have to do anything except accept the gift that he's offered you. He's already done all the work. All you have to do is accept it. And if you're here and you'd like to start that journey today, every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for making a way for me. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. Forgive me for every mistake I've ever made. I believe in you. And I want to pursue you with all that I am for the rest of my life. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.